Good evening, everybody, and welcome to episode 157 of the Ask the Coach Show, where ping skills helps you improve your table tennis. 157 is a prime number. The next prime is 163, and the previous prime is 151, with which 157 forms a sexy prime triplet. And taking the arithmetic mean of those three primes yields 157, Thus, it is a balanced prime. Now, it's Technique Tuesday, and we're going to talk about correcting errors. In the questions, we discuss tension when looping, what exactly a punch is, what to do about sweat getting on your rubbers, and we give a few tips about the forehand loop off a backspin serve. I'm Jeff Plump, and as always, Supercoach Alois Rosario is here with me to answer your questions. Welcome, Alois. Thank you, Jeffrey. And um, no, nah, 157, no good, Jeff. 156 was much more interesting. Um, what about in this day in history? We've got a birthday today. The great. Um, you know, that is pretty funny because what happened on my side was you went the great and then you cut out and you said something and it was just pure silence and then you came back in. I still have no idea who you were talking about. Robin Williams. Ah, Robin Williams, born on this day. Wow. Yeah. Do we know what year? Yes, indeed. Uh, no, sorry. Okay, but he was born on this day. There you go. Need- Interesting fact. Now, yeah. Alloys... Yeah, need to do better research. Yeah, yeah, I know, exactly. I mean, that can't compete with the sexy triplet prime and the balance prime. It's a sexy triplet and a balance prime. I mean, that's interesting. Um, and it's a sexy prime because it's no. it's 157 and six before it is 151 and six after it's 163. They're both primes and it's from the Latin word six, which is like sex. Yeah, technique. Yeah. Um, no, I don't want to go on to techniques. Tuesday. First, I want to just discuss about what happens in a rally when the ball breaks because we had a question from Mark Taylor who said, yeah, what happens when a ball breaks? Because with these new plastic balls, apparently sometimes they're just exploding. So, like, if the ball comes over, hits the table and just explodes into pieces, what is the ruling? What actually happens in that situation, Alloys? All right. So, um, Jeff, I'll just read um, Mark's question. So he said, Alan, Jeff, what is the rule on when the ball breaks? At last night's pennant, I think we replaced about eight balls in our 11 matches. The issues varying from that sounds cracked to the ball disintegrating, split almost in half. In two of the points, one where I hit the ball and the ball went long, and the second point, my opponent hit the ball and it broke um, and landed and skidded on the table. Um, so he lost both, both points. Um, so I went to the source. I went to Graham Island, our um, friendly referee, um, probably one of the most knowledgeable men in the world on uh, ITTF rules, and he came back with a great answer. So he said, in all cases, if the ball breaks or becomes unplayable during a rally, then it is a let. So... And he said this is covered um, un- as follows. Um, 
2.9.2.4 because the conditions of play are disturbed in a way which could affect the outcome of the Ratley. So he also said that um, it was proposed by the Athletes Commission um, to insert a new um, rule because of the, the amount of balls that were breaking. Um, they wanted to put in if the ball in play is broken in a way which could affect the outcome of the rally um, and the rationale was to avoid the confusion. So um, while it had good support it was defeated because both the uh, umpires rules committee and the rules committee said that it was unnecessary as this was already covered in the rules. So they're really confident that if the ball breaks or if it cracks and becomes unplayable, it is definitely a let. So um, that is an, a, a rule that, um, because of the, um, the plastic balls at the moment, it's a rule that needs to come up and needs to be made really clear to, uh, to everyone out there. So uh, make sure you're familiar with it and spread, spread the word. Yeah, that that's really interesting, Alice. Because you know, I to be honest, was not sure about that. And initially, I probably would have gone with that it's just play on and bad luck. But thinking about it, a let really is the obvious answer. I mean, and the fair answer um, in that situation. So I'm glad that is the rule. And also, I'm pretty happy with the way the umpires handled the proposal for the new introduction of the rule because they don't like making rules bigger just for the sake of them. So if it's already covered and the umpires are happy that it's covered in the current rules, it makes sense not to introduce more. So big kudos uh, to the umpires um, for how they handled that situation. Yeah, and spread the word. If the ball breaks, it's a let. All right. Let's move on to Technique Tuesday, Alloys. And today we're talking about correcting errors. Yeah, so um, so, and we've had a lot of good feedback from this um, from this technique that we we uh, we shoot on uh, on site. So, with technique, uh, it's it's really important to ah, uh, you're just breaking up again, uh, man. We're gonna have to do something about this internet connection, Alice. I'm not sure what, but we're gonna have to do something. Um, so yeah, basically the, the whole, um, premise of this video that Alois did on correcting errors is not to think about it as correcting errors, but to think about it as learning a new stroke. Cause that way it kind of frees up your mind to be able to concentrate on what you have to do and not worry about what you were doing wrong in the past. And we've, um, We've got a few people to try this, and it's amazing how just that little switch in the brain helps you suddenly learn a new stroke and frees you up not to worry about anything in the past. So, yeah, Al, um, you, you've had good success with this, haven't you? Yes, and, um, and it's, it's, a, it's a technique that really works for, for players. So if you're looking at trying to change technique, think about forget about changing it. Think about learning a new technique. Give it just a slightly different mindset, you will be really surprised at um, the success of it. Very good. All right. So try that out. Correcting errors. If you've got something you want to fix, think about learning a new technique. Now, yesterday's Pink Skillers question of the day was brought on by some cold weather that we've had here in Melbourne. And it was, what is the coldest temperature you have played table tennis in? And Alois, what... Feedback did we get from this question? 
Yes, so we did get uh, we did get a bit of good feedback. So um, uh, Dominic said um, this is an extract from the 2013 President's Report from Northern Suburbs in Hobart, Tasmania. So in Tasmania, it's uh, very far south in Australia, and uh, usually the coldest part of Australia. And so he said, uh, "What is it about the Northern Suburbs open that this is it?" Th what is it about the northern suburbs open? This it is always so darn cold. Two years in a row has been the coldest day of the table tennis calendar. So, um, very very cold indeed at the uh, at the northern suburbs open. And Francisco said uh, three to five degrees. Um, and Sam said, "Have to be around five degrees in Canberra. The rubbers tense up, and they do. The the rubbers get really, um, really hard and cold, and and not very elastic when it gets that cold." Um, so uh, Trevor Hertz said, "Minus one in Middle Earth, Sunbury." <laughs> so uh, and Pradeep said, "About seven degrees Celsius." So and uh, Noel said, "Never too cold in Texas." Lucky, lucky you, Noel. Um, and what really brought it on was uh, yesterday morning I did some coaching um, out in the back in the Ping Skills shed at uh, quarter to seven in the morning and the temperature gauge said minus 3.7 degrees and boy was it cold. My hands were freezing. That is so, cold. Now the only people I can think of that may have played in colder temperature are the editing sports guys who we did a bit of a um, collaboration video with recently, but they were playing on ice in that video, Alloys. I mean, that must have been pretty cold. I reckon I reckon they've beaten my minus 3.7 for sure, and we'll put a link to that video. Very entertaining video indeed. So um, we, we do feature in it a little bit too, Jeffrey. Yes, we do, yeah. So, yeah, check out the show notes at pingskills.com. All right, that moves us on to the Pingskillers question of the day, which is, who do you want to see win the Pan-American Games? So get involved. We love to hear your thoughts. Jump onto our Facebook page and leave a comment or jump onto our blog at pingskills.com and click on the blog link. All right, now we've got um, some really interesting questions today. And first up is a question from Mike D. He says, hi, guys. When I try to loop a long ball with a lot of backspin, my arm tenses up. Many times I'm able to loop it over the net, winning points against various players. But when my, ma but when my arm is more relaxed, I have trouble looping the ball. So how can I correct this? Uh, yeah, so y you might feel like, you know, when you tighten that up, you get a better better stroke. But in fact, um, you, you are controlling what's happening. But you, if you start to relax your arm, you will find actually get a lot better. You'll actually be able to generate more speed, more spin, uh, all those sorts of things. So, so really focus on getting that arm um, relaxed. We've got a lesson on the s slow spinny top spin that we will put a link um, on, in the show notes too, and that will help you as well. But yeah, definitely keep it nice and relaxed. But but the action needs to be very sharp and fast when you're playing that slow ball as well. Yeah, so this comes up quite a bit, Alois. So 
how do people know the difference between what's too relaxed and, you know, what's the ideal um, way to play your forehand topspin? Because I guess people think you have to have some kind of strength to move the arm quickly. So what's the, how do you tell the difference between, you know, what's too tense and then what's just the right amount? Does that make sense, my question? Yep, sure, sure it does. So what a little test I get the players to do is I get them to swing without the ball. So if you swing without the ball, bang, okay, that is the is the stroke you need. You don't need any more um, effort than that to make your stroke. As soon as the ball comes in, if you're tightening up, then you're going to start to use more effort. You don't need that extra effort. Okay, so the ball is so light, the bat is light. It's not like you need to, you know, really lift it up or or get the get the ball moving um, back because it's so heavy. It's really light. Just you don't need that effort. All you need is the effort to move the bat in the right um, stroke or the right technique and the right path. That's that's your aim. If you keep the ball the bat moving in the right path, then you can move it as fast as you want. But decrease the effort. Do not increase the effort. That's that's the key. Yeah, that that makes a lot of sense, and I love that tip. You know, just practice without the ball first, and that's sort of the pace. And if you always watch the top players, they hit the ball so hard, but it looks so effortless, doesn't it? Yeah, absolutely. And 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 it's it looks effortless because it is because they're using the minimum amount of muscles the minimum amount of effort to make that stroke brilliant all right thanks for the question mike and keep working on that forehand topspin um yeah it's all about practice you will get better all right next up is a question from noel who says hello coaches is a punch a fast counter drive or is it more like a flick and by the way, I notice my legs are getting stronger and my strokes are more powerful, trying to stay low. And the premium videos are helping a lot. Thanks. So, yeah, some advice for Noel. Um, what is the difference between, well, what is a punch? Yes. So uh, thanks, Noel, for those kind words. That's good. I'm glad you're enjoying that, pre- that premium uh, content. So a punch is a little bit different. So um, a fast counter hit or a counter drive. So with that, you're starting in your normal backhand position coming up and forward that way. So it's like a very small um, backhand uh, stroke. Whereas the punch, you're tending to start with your bat up a little bit higher and and as the name suggests, you're punching through the ball. So it's a very flat type of contact. Um, So so there there is a little bit of a difference there. So with the the backhand um, counter hit or the fast counter hit or topspin it's that sort of action so from low to high um, for those listening on the podcast and for the punch you're starting with your bat up and the bat's coming straight through the line of the ball so yeah so that's that's a difference um we i I suppose the best um lesson for you might be how to counter a slow spinny topspin um, in that video, we show you the differences between the backhand um, block, the counterspin, and the punch. So, um, yeah, take a look at that one. Yeah, that, that is a good video. And, again, we'll put that in the show notes. 
Um, and if anyone else is interested in our premium membership, go to pingskills.com. We've got heaps of videos to help you improve your table tennis, a whole series on serving, whole series on receiving, um, on match strategy, on multi-ball, sports psychology. Plus, we've got a 52-week training plan, which everyone who takes up the premium membership just really enjoys, lays out. Um, four, in four-week blocks, we lay out different things to focus on, from consistency to speed to spin to placement uh, to serving, receiving. Uh, so, yeah, really lays out a great way for you to improve. So that along with the rest of the videos, well worth a look. Check it out, pingskills.com, our premium membership. All right, next up is a question from Amar who says, Hi, when I'm training, some drops of sweat get on the rubbers and when I try to get rid of them with my hand, the rubbers become sweaty and the grip's removed because of the sweat on the rubbers. How can I solve this problem? Yeah, so as soon as as soon as the rubber gets a little bit wet, um, it basically becomes useless. At, at point. So if the ball hits um, a wet part of the bat, then it's just going to slide off. You're not going to get any grip. So it's really important to keep the rubber nice and dry. That's the first thing. Um, so how are you going to keep it dry? Uh, often in a in a training situation or in, even in a match situation, you, you get really wet and sweaty. So your hands are sweaty, your shirt's sweaty, your shorts are sweaty, and you haven't got anything dry to dry it with. So as soon as you see a little bit of moisture there, you need to use a towel and try to keep a dry towel. So um, the rule says that you're allowed to use a towel every six points. But if your bat is wet it's important that you tell the umpire and he will allow you to dry your, your racket because no one wants to play. Um, well, you don't want to play with the racket being wet and your opponent certainly doesn't want to play with your racket being wet because the ball's going to come off um, really strangely. So um, keep a towel and don't have a little towel like that if, it's, if, you're, you, know, if you sweat a lot and, um, and it's a hot day. Get a big towel so that you can have some dry bits at the end of the matches as well as the start of the match. I've seen a lot of players, you know, go out there with a little towel and then by the end of the game, like the towel's dripping wet and they're dripping wet and, yeah, so get a big towel if if, uh, if that's an issue for you. But keep your rubber dry, very important. Excellent Phil. advice. All right, hopefully that helps you out, Amar. Next up is a question from Chi who says, uh, my coach is going to make me have a competition with my teammates next month to get me ready for next year's competition. Can you give me some suggestions on what to do when I start out in the competition? Okay. So first up, don't try and do anything too spectacular. Just play your game, how you normally play. That's the really important part. So um, if, you, um, if you normally do pendulum serves... Do pendulum serves. If you do something else, do do that. Don't try to change anything, even close to the tournament. So from now to the tournament, don't try and learn something new. Just consolidate what you know. That's that's really important. Then during the tournament, as I said, just think about doing things that you do well. Don't try to do anything more um, and enjoy what you're doing. Just get out there, enjoy what you're doing, try to learn as much as you possibly can in those matches. That's the best advice. 
Excellent. Great tips there. Hopefully that helps you out, Chi. Thanks for the question. And Chi asked that question using the Google Q&A app. And so anyone can ask us a question live on the show. Just go to our Google Plus page. Easiest way to find it is go to pingskills.com. Scroll down to the bottom and there's a little Google Plus icon. Click on that and then you'll see our shows and you can click on the Q&A button to ask us a question. And of course, we also take the best questions from our Ask the Coach section of the Ping Skills website. And we've got one of those such questions here from Ugo who says, when committing to a forehand loop return, is it sufficient to keep the bat vertical when driving the ball up from under the table with a brushing technique? And if the opponent chops with heavy backspin, is it the power of the vertical swing and the bat angle? Yeah, so it's a com- it's always a combination of two things. It's a combination of yeah, the angle of your racket and how fast you're moving it. So if it's a heavy backspin, you can counter that backspin by just playing a really um, vertical stroke and having your racket open. In fact, you could almost do that, right? And you could get the ball on the table. But you can also get the ball on the table by coming right over the ball, brushing the ball, but then your contact needs to be very, very fast. So it's always a combination of those two things. The Oh, sorry, actually three things. So the angle of your racket, the trajectory of your swing, and the speed of your swing. So if you open up the angle, have that sort of trajectory, and have a really fast swing, the ball's going to end up flying into the roof, right? Oh, no, we just lost you for a second, but we got that, yeah, if you open up the bat and, and, and just hit it straight up, it would go into the roof. What's next? Yeah, so so then if you are going to have a fast contact, you have to come over the top of the ball and brush right over, getting a fast brushing contact. So, yeah, so just think about those three um, variables, the angle of your racket, the trajectory of your swing, and the speed of your swing. Okay, so from what I'm hearing, though, if you open up the racket and sort of just do that slowly... You might get the ball back on the table, but that doesn't seem like it's going to be a very effective shot because you're kind of going to just hit the ball and you're not going to get much spin and it's going to be slow. What What's the ideal way to return that heavy backspin serve? Yeah, so so definitely ideally you want to get you generate the top spin. So so turning your bat over and brushing through really fast is is the best way to to return it because then you're putting a lot of spin on the ball and you're putting some pressure on your opponent as well. Great, got it. Okay. And then, yeah, so I guess that just, once you get that heaps of topspin, it's just whether you do more a slow spinning topspin or a faster topspin, but either of those can be effective. Yeah, yeah. So so really try to get your, your racket moving through fast, I suppose, is the first thing, because that's the way that you'll generate the, the, the spin on the ball too. Okay, fast with a brushing contact. Got it. All right. Um, now Bennett has said, I've been playing seriously for about six months and I was wanting to know when I should go to a tournament. I'm not too worried about my rating and mostly I'm doing it for the enjoyment of the game. All right, Bennett, get to a tournament. 
get out there and enjoy what you're doing. Um, All right, we lost we lost you again. <laughs> um, but yeah, um, it's never. I don't think it's ever too early to go to a tournament. Um, you know, table tennis clubs that run tournaments are fairly welcoming, and you'll get to meet other people. And there's always like graded events, so you can always find someone your level. It's really a great experience. It opens up, you know. You meet new people and you'll learn so much from it. So as we always say, you know, go to a club and when you go to a club, you find out about tournaments and then just go to a tournament. I think you'll, you'll really like it. And especially because you're not too worried about your rating, rating, nothing to lose. Just go there, have some fun and enjoy the experience. Good luck, Bennett. And when you do go to a tournament, just let us know. Drop us a note. We'd love to hear from you, Bennett. All right. Next up is one from Chris Town who's asked a question on our Google Q&A app. He says, hello, I'm having problems with learning the reverse pendulum serve. I either just push the ball from underneath or I just do the motion, but the serve doesn't go over the net. And he says, my rubber has, you know, good spin and good speed, it says, with a hard rubber. So um, what tips do you have on doing the reverse pendulum serve alloys? Yeah, so so the, uh, it really important to get the action right. So starting with your racket right up under your armpit there, and then brushing forward. So really using your wrist in this backward motion to generate the speed, and then therefore the spin on the ball as well. So this is the key for the pendulum uh, for the reverse pendulum serve. Um, we, we've got some good tips. We, so we, we've got a lesson on the reverse pendulum serve in our serving secrets. Again, something that um, you can really benefit from from the premium membership. If you can get on there just even for a month, get on to the premium membership and just have a look at um, the reverse pendulum serve uh, and you'll, you'll, find, you'll find some really good... Yeah, just cut out again, but that's all right. Yeah, a lot of good tips um, there. Check it out. It's in the serving secrets section and it's for our premium members. Thanks for the question. All right. Um, now, next up is a question from Romeo. And Romeo says, I am a player that likes to play forehands away from the tail. I usually win against my opponents because of my spinny topspins. If I was required to play in a small space, should I start being a blocker or a hitter just in case? Uh, no, definitely not. You, you need to you need to develop your game. So, and the the higher level you get, the more space you'll have in general. You know, like you'll go to to uh, better tournaments, better clubs, play in better um, situations. So, develop the game that suits you. And for you, it sounds like you like playing away from the table with topspin. Stick with it. Go for it. Okay. Stick with what you're doing. All right. There's some good advice for you, Romeo. All right, now, Alois, just to finish off the show, we've got a couple of quick-fire questions from people using the Google Q&A app. And first up, um, Chi says, what is the time now in Melbourne? I'm a bit curious of the time difference between Australia and Singapore. Uh, so it's uh, currently 10.13 p.m. There we go. And Chi also says, thanks for understanding me well from past questions. You're welcome, Chi. All right, and... Um, Ilya says, are you interested in football? I mean, soccer. 
Ah, yes, I am actually. My son actually plays football, soccer. So, um, yeah, so I'm interested and I'm getting more and more interested in it. Uh, we've got the International Cup here at the moment. So with um, Man City, uh, Roma and um, Real Madrid. So, uh, yeah, so Friday uh, is the match between Man City and Real Madrid. So that'll be a good one. Yes, indeed. There you go. Um, now, Captain has come on and said, so I won my first tournament. I really have you guys to thank a lot for that. He goes, I noticed that I have trouble when my opponent gets a few points in a row. How could I simulate these situations in my training? And also, when should I back up from the table? Yeah, it's okay. Oh, you've cut it out, but you always come back, Alois. It's, it's all right. I think you'll probably be back now. So um, start again and give us, give us some advice. Yeah, so um, it's it's good that you're recognising the fact that you're losing some points in a row. Um, and what you need to do is you need to have a little bit of a, a circuit breaker in there. So every time you win, you lose two or three points in a row, you need to just take, take a few seconds away from the table. Um, so reload and think about what you're going to do for the next point. So have that as a real... Um, trigger for you. As soon as you lose three points, stop, think about, okay, I need to change something. I can't just keep losing these points in a row. Um, so, yeah, so I think that's that's something that can really help you. I'm just, uh, yeah, yeah, so, and as far as simulating these situations, I suppose um, one way is in the practice situation, just, just set up some different um, uh, point Drill. So you could start uh, a game with you being three points down, you know, at two five, or started at six nine, and you've just lost the last three points, and you need to stop and re regroup. So, so yeah, that might that might help as well. Not it's not exactly the situation, but um, it might trigger something for you. But the most important thing is in the matches when you do recognise that you've lost those three points, stop, reload, work out what you're doing and do something about it. Very good advice. Now, we, we've got some more questions, which is great. We love people jumping on the show and asking questions. So thank you, everybody, for these great questions. Now, um, the next question is, is it better to brush the ball hard on the top of the table when it's higher, or do you hit it flat? So I think he's talking about alloys. If the ball's a bit higher above the table, should you be... Hitting it with top spin or hitting it flat? That's my sort of read on the question. Well, is shoulder height or above, then there's a possibility that you can start to hit the ball flat. If it's lower than that, then definitely hit it with top spin. But even when the ball is at this sort of level, it's okay to put some topspin on the ball as well. It's, it's a little bit safer safer stroke. So only smash when you're really confident, when the ball's there and you're ready and you're in good position, then you can think about hitting it flatter. Otherwise, just go with the topspin. Good. Topspin's good. It is good, yeah. I used to often like to even topspin a bit higher balls. It just felt safer for me. Um, but, yeah, um, if you like to smash and it's high and you're confident, then go for it too. All right. 
Alois, that wraps up show 157. Thanks, everybody, for watching, and thanks, everybody, for jumping on and asking questions. Love the engagement. Make sure you check out our website, pinkseals.com. Sign up for our free newsletter if you haven't. And also like us on Facebook, and you can comment on the Pink Skills question of the day there. And thank you, Alois, for your words of wisdom. Thanks, Jeffrey, and we'll see you tomorrow night. Bye. See you, everyone. Bye.